Good morning, church. Can you uh, can you hear me up in the balcony seating in the plaza? Can you hear me in the in the luxury boxes over here? Uh, the sunshine. It is good to see you all. It is good to be with you today. You missed the weather last week. A few of you that weren't here, it was a little uh, a little different uh, than this morning, but it was still very good to be together. Thankful to the Lord today for the sunshine and uh, even the crisp, cool air. Well, if you're visiting with us or you haven't been here the last few weeks, we have had a continuing thesis over the last three, four Sundays. And that is that we can have a blessed Christmas season, a blessed entry into the new year, almost 2021, in spite of, what shall I call it? What words suffice to describe the year 2020? Um, any suggestions? Misery? Uh, unusual? Um, it's, it's not been a good year in one sense. I, it's okay to say amen to that. So let's just, let's just get this out. It has not been a good year. Our thesis, however, is that in the midst of what is not a good year, in the midst of circumstances that are, what did you say, Murray? Un unusual. unusual. We'll go with unusual. In the midst of circumstances that are unusual, we can be blessed and find joy in the Lord Jesus. And we have been looking at these Beatitudes to find out what it is and how it is that Christ followers are to live and to be blessed. And we have seen some really surprising things. We have brought out that the blessing of God in the Beatitudes is almost sometimes the complete opposite of the, what the world views blessing to be. If you haven't been here, for example, verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Our world does not associate mourning, that is, being upset and mourning and grieving your own sin or entering into the grief of others as something that is blessed or joyful. And yet our Lord does. So we have been looking at these Beatitudes and my thesis has been, our theses have been the last few weeks, those who have preached that according to the Sermon on the Mount, God's blessing is not dependent on whether we have this COVID cloud hanging over us or not. It's not dependent upon whether we meet indoors or outdoors. It's not dependent upon whether you're one of the first ones to get the vaccine or if you never get one. The children of God who are blessed, according to Jesus' sermon in Matthew 5, include those who are poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are meek, those who are merciful. And we've looked at all of those the last few weeks. Uh, today, we, we look at two more. We look at those who are pure in heart and those who are peacemakers. So that is our focus for today. Those who are pure in heart and those who are peacemakers. And as I say, that is our focus on this Sunday morning, this fourth Sunday of Advent. Those things are connected to what and who Christ followers are to be, to be and what our season of blessing at the end of 2020 
and the beginning of 2021 is to be like. So let's begin. Let's take a look at verse 8. Spend quite a bit of time in verse 8 and then in verse 9. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Notice the future tense there, for they will see God. There is an understanding throughout the New Testament and in this sermon that it is difficult in hard circumstances in a, in a year that could be described as unusual or miserable. It is difficult to see blessing. It is difficult to find joy, but it is possible with the Lord to do that. But there is a future orientation about seeing God, and we'll get to that in just a few moments. But let's start with this first line of verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart. Let's begin by talking about this word heart. We've looked at it before. Just a brief summary. When the Bible speaks about the heart, it is speaking about the center of one's being. It's including your mind, your will, your emotions, your body, everything that you are. But it, it starts on the inside. It is, it is the very core of who you are as a human being. Blessed are the pure in heart, this beatitude says. Now, I'm going to start here with, with some bad news, and then we'll, we'll move to the, the good news. You, you know, if you've read the scriptures, the bad news about our hearts. If you need a refresher or you haven't read the scriptures, the scriptures do not teach that our hearts are neutral. And that we are a product of our environment. And if you grow up in a great environment, you're going to have a great heart. And if you grow up in a bad environment, you're going to have a bad heart. The scriptures do not teach that. The scriptures do not teach that we are born with these beautiful, loving your neighbor and loving God sorts of hearts. The scriptures don't teach that. If we jump forward, just listen to it. Matthew chapter 15. This is what Jesus says about our hearts. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. So we're going to get to the good news in a moment. But the bad news is the default position of my heart, the default position of your heart is toward slander. When there's someone you don't like, you don't like their ideology, you don't like their lifestyle, you don't like their perspective, you have a tendency, I have a tendency in my heart to slander them, not to love them, not to give them our coat, not to go the extra mile, not to speak with tender gentleness about them. We have a default position to slander them. Our hearts, from our hearts come evil thoughts. This is the natural disposition of your heart, and it is the natural disposition of my heart. So it's very important if we are going to be blessed that we understand how to move from this natural disposition to being pure or clean in our hearts. To go a little further and give another example, still in the bad news category here, about our hearts, if we jump uh, just a few verses forward in this chapter to verse 27. Jesus said, there you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. And so there's this t tendency among religious people 
among the Pharisees, among the Sadducees, among the pastors of the first century, if we go back to the first century, there is this tendency to check off boxes of what we need to avoid. And this is what Jesus is getting at, a misinterpretation, a misunderstanding of the seventh commandment, you shall not commit adultery. You've heard it said that, but they misunderstood that. And so Jesus clarifies what's at the heart of that commandment is not just checking off that you've avoided this particular sin or that particular sin, whether it's adultery or theft. But Jesus goes on to get to the heart and he says, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You misunderstand the commandment if you think I am saying merely to avoid X and check that off. God's commandment goes to our hearts. So this is all the bad news. Blessed are the pure in heart, verse 8 it says. The scriptures teach that our hearts are, are, are wicked, are divided, are confused, and our default positions are not oriented toward God, toward loving him, toward loving neighbor. So what do we do? Well, let's shift gears to the good news. You ready for some good news? Anybody out there want some good news? All right, some good news. Some good news. For, for months before we got to this Advent season, we were looking at the Psalms. And, and the overarching thesis of all of those sermons in the Psalms is help us to understand this menu, uh, this prayer book menu so that I can know how to pray because our hearts are so defaulted to the wrong position that you and I don't even know how to pray. So God has given us a prayer book called the Psalms to teach us how to pray. And there are 150 of them and we're all in different places. And so I'm going back and, and preaching the whole Psalm series in just a sentence or two. But what I'm talking about right now is a condition that isn't particular to you or me, but is general to all of us. And that is that we don't have clean and pure hearts. So the good news of how we are to pray and the good news of the truth of how our, chain, our, our hearts change is in Psalm 51 and verse 10. You know this verse. Let me read it to you. This prayer, this cry of my heart, and may it be the cry of your heart as well. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus wants to not just change your behavior or your appearance, but he wants to change your heart. He wants to change your virtues. He wants to change how you think. And the good news is that God can make your heart clean. He can make it pure. It is going to be an ongoing cleansing. It's not going to be a one and done situation. So whether we use these exact words of Psalm 51 verse 10 or others, we need to regularly confess, confess our sins and ask God to give us a clean, a pure heart and renew a right spirit within me because my spirit, the default position of my spirit is to slander that person. When they're not around, especially instead of putting them in the very best light possible and loving them with gentleness and care. So God renew that right spirit within me and God's able to do that. 
And oh, has he done it in so many of you. I'm going off my manuscript here, but I'm thinking now of one of our senior saints who went to be with the Lord today. Those of you who receive our email heard about this, or maybe you heard before that. But many of you here know uh, Les Adcock, who is now with the Lord. And Les, more than anyone I know, more than myself or Pastor Adam or any of our current elders, if you entered into a conversation with Les, we were just talking about this in here minutes ago. If you entered into a conversation with Les about the roof or the building or the parking lot or the weather or sports, it was not within two or three minutes you would be talking about Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Less shifted conversations to spiritually edifying things. He had a right spirit within him. And it took years and decades and decades of praying. God created me a clean heart to where Les's heart became extremely virtuous. And so when a young pastor comes in to visit him and is talking about something that doesn't really matter, Les would shift the conversation to things that are imperishable in eternity very, very quickly. The good news of the gospel and the power of God is that he can make your heart clean and pure and he can make mine clean and pure and he can do that over and over and over throughout our lives and as we practice this spiritual discipline of repentance of confessing of asking God to change our hearts we can become virtuous holy spirit led people like Les Adcock D Martin Lloyd Jones writes this He says, you can start trying to clean your heart, but at the end of your long life, it will be as black as it was at the beginning, perhaps blacker. No, it is God alone who can do it. And thank God he has promised to do it. He has promised to clean our hearts, to make us virtuous. We must ask him to do that in us. The blessing of God in the Beatitudes is not dependent upon the year that we're living in, upon the circumstances, upon our health, upon our age, upon the status of a virus. Blessed are the pure in heart. For those of you that want a formal definition of purity of heart, inner moral purity as opposed to external. I've already described it, but there's a formal definition. Inner moral purity as opposed to external behavior. And then secondly, single-mindedness. If you're the kind of person that that likes definitions like this, a pure heart is not only one that is internally virtuous, but it is one that is single-minded. A heart free from the tyranny of a divided self. A heart free from the tyranny of a divided self. We've all been there. We've been torn between good and evil, between this and that, between this thing that's stressing me out that shouldn't be stressing me out, but my my heart's all divided. It's it's going over here. It's I I I can't think about this. I can't do that. I'm I'm nervous. I'm anxious. That's not a clean or pure heart. 
Psalm 86, verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. A, a unified heart, a heart of singularity, and that single focus is the Lord himself. And that I have reverence and awe before his name. That's what it means that I may fear your name. Give me an undivided heart. We see this principle in many places in scripture of of the Lord having supremacy and eternal and imperishable things, having the supremacy in our hearts. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. If we jump forward in the sermon to chapter 6 and verse 33, that's what we read. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So a Christ follower who is blessed is someone who is pure in heart. I love seeing people who are virtuous, who are living out purity and cleanness of their heart, that, that are loving God and loving neighbor. Yesterday, I got to see such a person. Uh, her name is Rhonda. And when I say that, she's a sinner just like you and me. But it, when I was exposed to her this week, I saw this person who had just a pure and beautiful and virtuous heart. And I had not met Rhonda before this week. She's new to the area, and she is a caregiver. And many of you here might not know the name of Ken King, but you might recognize him if you saw him uh, right now or a photo of him. When we uh, were meeting in here uh, up until March, I haven't seen uh, him since probably March, but he was often the very first one uh, down the aisle, out of the service Sunday morning with his Bible in hand. He kind of walked slowly, had a little bit, you know, you know the guy I'm talking about? He's he one of the first guys out of the, of the building every Sunday. Beautiful man. And he is near death right now. And Rhonda, this woman, was assigned to care for him. And she is alone in his home. And he is very near the end. And Ken has been witnessing to Rhonda and talking about the Lord. In fact, she said that she has never quite been impacted like a man, by a man. She was very specific about that. That she obviously has had bad experiences with men. And she was lifting him up yesterday as I talked with her about Ken King, who is, who is as of yesterday, no longer able to communicate with us. He's still with us, but he was unconscious yesterday. So just she and I are talking. And she went out of her way to find us, to find Cornerstone, to, to get some of his people there to pray for him and to be with him. And so I'm playing phone tag with her. I call her at some point and she's driving the car and she pulls over the car on the side of the road to send up, set up this meeting that we had yesterday. She doesn't know us. She didn't know him. This is just her job, but it's very obvious that her job is not just a job, but that she has a clean and virtuous and loving heart for her neighbor that she has just met. And we had this beautiful time yesterday, Rhonda and I praying whether Ken could hear us or not and process, I don't know. 
but it was a sweet time together. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. She was an example and an encouragement to me of someone who was displaying a virtuous and clean and pure heart in her life. Last thing I want to say on verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So there's an, there is an essence in which we see God in the day in and day out in our lives. There was a sense in which we saw God yesterday as we were praying in this room, in this quiet home in Meadow Vista. But the emphasis in verse 8 is on a future seeing of God. And if we jump forward to chapter 24, let me just read it to you. There is a sense in which those who are pure in heart will see God literally. And this is part of what verse 8 is saying. Let me read to you chapter 24 and verse 30. At that time, sometime yet future, whether it's in a week or in a thousand years, I don't know. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And all the nations of the earth will mourn. There is a contrast in this passage about those who are not believing. All of the nations are describing those who are not believers in Jesus. All of the nations of the earth are going to mourn when the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. It is not going to be a good day for these nations. And so it is going to be a good day for those who are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And that verse says this at the end, it says, and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect or his children, Christ followers from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. This seems to be speaking not just of those who are alive at the end, but those from one end of the heavens to the other. All of the believers throughout time are going to be called at this loud trumpet call and they will see the son of man. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. This is a literal seeing that one day you and I and Les Adcock and so many others will see and rejoice. A blessed Christmas 2020 includes you praying, create in me a clean heart. Verse nine, just two verses today. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called sons of God. We could paraphrase it, sons and daughters of God, children of God. Who is in God's family? Who are blessed people? Those who are peacemakers are blessed. Jesus' concern in this beatitude, in verse 9, is not with the peaceful but with the peacemakers. My prayer for all of us today is that we are full of peace because of our relationship with the Lord Jesus. But as we read verse nine, the question we should be asking ourselves 
is, am I a peacemaker? When I come into a room and there's conflict, when I'm in a grocery store checkout line and there's the uh, face covering and the non-face covering debate going on, am I a peacemaker? When I run into believers who have such disparate perspectives about what is going on right now in 2020, am I someone who comes into that situation and makes peace? Blessed are the peacemakers. Not those who have peace in their heart. That's good. That's another sermon. This is those who make peace. God, help us as believers in this crazy year to be peacemakers. It is in practice that you prove whether you are a peacemaker or not. Peacemakers will be called sons of God. Imagine with me two Christian friends who have drifted apart since March. Uh, One will not go out of the home without a face covering. This person will not drive in a solitary car with no one in it without a face covering. Have you seen these folks? You're one of them, right? Have you seen them? So imagine that person, a Christ follower, wears her face covering in the car when no one else is there. Imagine another Christ follower. She will not go into her favorite store that she normally goes to every week because she has to wear a face covering if she goes in that store. So she won't go. These two Christ followers have drifted apart since March. They both love Jesus. Imagine that with me. I know it's hard for you to imagine. Imagine. Now imagine that these two Christ followers are invited to another believer's home. It's a, it's a holy setup. They're, in, they're both invited to this other believer's home because they both love mandarins. They've got mandarins on their property. And the, the face covering wearer and the I will never wear a face covering wearer come to the property to get mandarins of this fellow believer. And this fellow believer is a peacemaker. And she sends the two ladies into the orchard to pick mandarins. One with a face covering and one without a face covering. And they pick their mandarins. And they begin to talk. And they begin to fellowship. And they begin to realize what has kept them apart has nothing to do with the heart of God, with the things that are imperishable, with the gospel, with the unity of fellowship of the church. And they begin to talk as they're picking mandarins. And they end up on a a deck 
distanced, of course. But the face covering wearer has got to remove her face covering in order to eat mandarins. And they enjoy the fruit of the gospel, of the unity that Jesus prayed for in John 17. And the peacemaker was not on a mission to make the person stop wearing their mask in their car all alone. The peacemaker was not on a mission to get the other woman to go to the store that she now refuses to go to. She was on a mission for two Christ followers to love one another and to re-enter into fellowship and unity together. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. The supremacy, the, the, the uppermost affection in a peacemaker's heart is Jesus and imperishable and eternal things. And things that are less important get pushed down in their place, and Christ is elevated. A blessed Christmas 2020 includes you praying, God, help me to take concrete steps to be a peacemaker in my family, in my church, in the room that I walk into, in the grocery store, wherever I go. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. I want to finish our time in this sermon this morning by reminding you about something that is not preached about very often. And I'm going to call it Jesus' peacemaking ministry that happens right now. It is Jesus' ministry as an intercessory prayer for his people. We rightly focus on what Jesus has done 2,000 years ago, the finished work of Christ on the cross that is complete and finished. And it is by faith in what he has done that we are saved. But Jesus has an active ministry right now. And it involves making peace. In, in essence, what an intercessor or a peacemaker is, is when a third party comes between two others and makes a case to one on behalf of the other. And when you and I sin, when we stumble, when we struggle, when we are full of doubt, the New Testament teaches that our high priest, Jesus, is an intercessor for you and me. And he goes before the Father, not because we are no longer his children, but because our fellowship with him is diminished. And so Jesus actively goes before the Father on your behalf and on my behalf and on every Christ follower on this planet's behalf. He is an infinite God. This doesn't make rational sense. It's beyond rational. It's super rational. His intercessory ministry. And what I'm saying is a fruit of that ministry is that Christ is actively a peacemaker now between you and the Father when you sin, when you doubt, when you struggle. Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Here's the part. Because he always lives to intercede for them. Christ 
the resurrected Christ right now is interceding for you and me before the Father. His intercessory work is there for us. And the result of it is that he is helping you and helping me by making peace between us and the Father. Ortland, in his book, Gentle and Lowly, writes this. He says, Christ's intercession applies what the atonement accomplished. What was done back here at the cross and the resurrection is applied in the heavenly places right now as Christ intercedes on your behalf. The result of that is peace. Christ is currently actively a peacemaker. And he's called us to be like him. I'll close with the words of Louis Burkhoff in his systematic theology. And this is the kind of sentence, the kind of thing you love to read in a systematic theology. It is not technical. It is not theological. It is not mumbo jumbo. Listen to what he writes. He says that this element is included is quite evident from the intercessory prayer in John 17. This element of Christ's intercession where Christ explicitly says that he prays for the apostles and for those who through their word will believe in him. That's us. He goes on. Burkhoff writes, it is a consoling thought that Christ is praying for us. Even when we are negligent in our prayer life, that he is presenting to the father, those spiritual needs, which were not present to our minds and which we often neglect to include in our prayers. Have you been praying that you would mourn? Have you, have you been praying for meekness? Have you been praying for hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Have you been praying to be merciful? Have you been praying for purity in heart? Have you, have you been praying to be a peacemaker? This is part of what Christ is praying for you and me intercessing before the Father. And the result is peace. Back to Burkhoff that he is presenting to the father those spiritual needs which were not present to our minds and which we often neglect to include in our prayers. And that he prays for our protection against the dangers of which we are not even conscious and against the enemies which threaten us. That is good news. That Christ is praying for our protection against the dangers of which we are not even conscious and against the enemies which threaten us, though we do not notice it. He is praying that our faith may not cease and that we may come out victoriously in the end. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Father in heaven, as we read the Beatitudes, we ask that you would help us to want to be blessed in this way, in a biblical way, that so many things that upset us are petty. Help us to put those things in their place. May we love Jesus with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and our neighbors as ourselves.
We thank you for examples of those who are pure in heart, who are extremely virtuous people, people like Les Adcock. We thank you for people like Rhonda, for whom her job is not just a job, but she loves those that she cares for and goes above and beyond to love them and care for them. I thank you for her. Lord, I pray for each of us as we encounter angry, frustrated, discouraged people. I pray because of what Christ has done in us that we would be peacemakers. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.